You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. If you can't seem to stay ahead of your bills, then this message is for you. How would you like to have a large portion of your credit card debts, medical bills, and department store debt forgiven? National Credit Card Relief would like to give you free information on a proven debt forgiveness program. This program has been used by thousands to legally forgive millions in unsecured debt. It is not bankruptcy. It is not consolidation. This special program actually wipes a clean, clean a portion of your debt that is forgiven from what you owe from your creditors. Call for free information to get all your questions answered in your first free call. The more you owe, the more you can save. If you have at least $10,000 or more in credit card bills, this debt forgiveness program can be very effective. Call for free information and find out now. Find out more now. 800-218-7170. There's no cost or obligation for the information. Don't wait. Call 800-218-7170. That's 800-218-7170. Get your debt problem solved. Call 800-218 7170 today. Coming to you from Podcast Detroit, it's Heard, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Heard is a collaboration between the Hungry Dudes, Nick Drinks, and the Detroit Optimist Society. Each week, we interview industry professionals about issues related to food, beverage, and hospitality. Please take a moment to subscribe to Heard through the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, SoundCloud, or however you subscribe to your podcasts. Write a review and let us know what you think. For additional content, including awesome videos and photos, visit HerdPodcast.com, like HerdPodcast on Facebook, and follow at HerdPodcast on Instagram. We appreciate your support and hope you enjoy this week's episode of Herd. Hello, friends, and welcome to Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. I'm Joe Hakeem. Tonight, I'm joined by Vato. Hey, hey. And our special guest, personal trainer, LeVar Green. How's it going? Great. How are you, LeVar? Great. Awesome. So uh, before we went on the air, uh, you two um, – well, LeVar, before we, before we get into the story of what you guys are discussing, you are uh, you work for the Detroit Police Department in some regard? That's correct. So what is your role with the Detroit Police Department? I'm on the physical training and defensive tactics staff, which is called a PTDT staff. And uh, the new recruits, before they come out on the street, there's a group of us, maybe about eight eight members with the PTDT staff, try to get them in shape and teach them defensive, defensive tactics before they actually get on the street. Okay. And so one of the defensive tactics that you guys were both kind of discussing was the ability to take a taser? Is that did I hear that right? Yeah, or, we yeah. actually the department uh, recently just got tasers, so okay. a lot of new recruits are going through the taser training along with executives and officers. Okay, so what is taser training? Uh, the actual taser training, um, you're going through a course which is consists of eight hours of learning how to use the tasers, how to do an actual dry stun, what you can and can't do with the tasers, and then we have some guys and females that man up and woman up and actually take the tase. It's uh, voluntary, so. Everyone doesn't actually get tased, but the good thing is the people that take the tase, you really feel it. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. I, I don't know enough about 
tasers or don't tase me, bro. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you just get what's you know what we see in the media and stuff like that. So, how, how many volts? If someone gets tased, how many volts is that? Oh, I'm. It's over, I believe, ten or twenty thousand volts that's going through you at one time. How do you safely take a tase? Well, most people that actually get tased, as far as criminals and things, sometimes when they're running in opposite direction, they don't know that they're actually getting tased. So, yeah, really, yeah, it's more of a you you let it you yell it out, you say taser, taser, taser three times, and someone gets tased. Wow. So it's kind of a um, heads up for the guys, for the other officers, so they can kind of move out the way when someone's getting ready to deploy a taser. So there's this other podcast that I listen to called Sword and Scale. And it's uh, basically um, it's a true crime podcast, and it talks a lot about like uh, how um, the the worst monsters walk among us. So it's like serial killer stuff like that, right? So the one episode it's interesting that you talk about the taser uh, people not knowing they get tased. Right. Um, the one episode that I listened to was uh, something in Florida where this guy uh, is like bodybuilder type guy, um, football player in college, great physique, like. Worked out all the time, had like YouTube videos to teach people how to work out and be uh, uh, nutritionally sound and all that type of stuff. Um, like had some type of mental break. He was walking home, like walking from a restaurant, like all disheveled. There's no no drugs I- involved in this. Right. And he walked into a to a garage and like killed two people. Had no memory of it. No drugs in his system. And when the police finally arrived, they tased him and. He walked right through it. It didn't affect him. Yeah, there's a percentage of people that the taser doesn't affect, especially like when you're not in your right mental state of mind sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, everyone, it doesn't affect everyone the same way. Like someone, as far as it works out, the, the leaner you are, the more leaner muscle you have, the more the taser actually affects you. Okay. So when I took a tase, uh, and I can even play audio from it, but <laughs> when I took a tase, it was, I felt every bit of it. And it was probably one of the worst feelings I ever felt in my life. Versus some guys, if they have a little bit more body fat, you know, it doesn't hurt them as much. And they say, well, you know, they'd rather get tased than pepper sprayed. See, with me, it's the opposite. I'd rather get pepper sprayed than tased. Wow. And so how many days after were you feeling the effects? No, you, it's only five seconds. Five you're, seconds. Yeah, it's like so five, you don't, you're not sore the next day or no, anything? Oh, okay. It's like five seconds. Your muscles are locked up. You can't move. And it's like someone's literally like sticking needles to me for five seconds. Wow. <laughs> wow. Now you guys, you, you guys are intense. That's 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 some intense <laughs> shit right there. I would never, never. Um, okay, so Levar, let's talk about your background. Um, so, so you got into fitness around two thousand one. So, that's what is that? So, talk about like that kind of uh, back then. What what what, was that, what does that mean to you? Well, in two thousand one, I was actually um, before I joined the Detroit Police Department. I was in sales. I was uh, one of the top guys in sales in um, Circuit City before they actually shut down. So um, I was, you know, pretty good job, making decent money. I was young. Um, and what happened, I got a, a kind of a word that the company may be closing down. I had a young son at the time. So I uh, met a guy. He was actually, he went to high school with me, came in at Circuit City to buy something. And he said the department was hiring at the time. So I applied. And once I applied, um, you know, he gave me a phone call. and I said, well, I need to start working out. I was 145 pounds, and you had to take a, a MCOS test. And with the MCOS test, um, it's a state-certified test where you're actually doing push-ups. What does uh, it stand for? Uh, MCOS is the Michigan Commission on Law Enforcement Standards. Okay. Correct. And so with the MCOS test, 
um, you're actually, you have to do push-ups. You have to drag a 165-pound dummy bag. Um, you have to actually um, do a, like, it's half a mile. You have to run this actually time. So, um, and there's a hand grip. So the 165-pound dummy bag for me that was a person that was 145 was a lot. So I started, you know, push-ups, sit-ups, whatever I can do, start going to the gym. And when I actually first started working out at the gym, I was kind of embarrassed because I, I would, like, lift the bar. And I was like, uh, you know, the bar was, like, supposed to be your warm-up. And I was, like, after 10 reps, I'm like, okay, I need to put a little weight on this. So let me stop you there for a second because I think that's a really good point to kind of delve into a little deeper is this idea of being embarrassed at the gym because I feel like when you go to a gym, especially a gym that's a busy gym, Correct. you see these big dudes working out, you know, fit women working out and you and you see someone who's not – who might just be getting started is easily embarrassed. Can you kind of explain how to to someone how to get past that point of just if you can only lift the bar? Lift that bar. Right. And that's the thing. You have to pretty much um, just leave your, your ego at the door, the embarrassment, anything. They call it gym intimidation. <laughs> that's that's like kind of like the, the gym word for it. Uh -huh. Because when you first go into a gym, if you don't know anything and you don't know exactly what to do, I advise anybody, like even if you have to do a few sessions, try to get a personal trainer for at least a month and to learn what to do at the gym. Because if you don't, you're going to actually end up with a lot of injuries. So when I first went to the gym, um, the biggest thing was, like I said, I was lifting the bar and I put a 25-pound plate on each side and I was struggling with it. So I would tell and, and I was so embarrassed that I actually bought a small gym set at home. And I started working out in the basement until I started lifting a little more. And then I went back to the gym maybe about six months later. Uh -huh. But I would tell anybody, the biggest thing is, um, you know, just don't worry about what other people think. If you're there to work out, people are actually looking at you more like they're, they're glad you're there to try to make the commitment to work out. And you, you, it becomes like a gym family. You know, people are there to help you, guide you, and things like that. You may get your, your guy every now and then that, you know, may not speak or say anything. But for the most part, I would say 98% of people at the gym are willing to help you when you go there. So, you know, the biggest thing is just don't worry about being embarrassed or anything. Just just pretty much go and do what you need to do. And stick with it. That's correct. I, I mean, the, the, the most difficult part, I think, um, I've been working out consistently for the better part of two years now. Um, it's that first couple months where you're just like, should I go? Do I, I don't need to go to the gym. I'll go tomorrow. I'm sort of, you know, or, you know, I'll, I'll make this a rest day. And then all of a sudden you're like a week into rest days. <laughs> well, you know, the other thing to add on to that, and LeVar and I have talked about it. And to, for full disclosure, LeVar is my uh, personal trainer, my life coach. Uh, <laughs> and, I mean, he's, he's, I mean, he's transformed my life. And that's why I call him my life coach. So, but we've talked about this, that, uh, you know, January 1st, you get all these people that start calling their trainers and start getting their gym memberships. And then what, come February? Uh, Valentine's Day. <laughs> you know, I call that the fall off day because, you know, you have guys, especially if they're single, they're trying to get a woman or get in shape before Valentine's Day. And then you have women, you know, they go out and they finally, you know, get a date or whatever the situation. They go to eat and slowly but surely you start to fall off after Valentine's Day. That's like the key date. It's like people are getting in shape. <laughs> January 1st, they make the commitment. February 14th, they start to fall off, and the gym start wow. to end up empty after Valentine's Day. So everyone needs that start point, you know, with the whole resolutions and that. I get that. and uh, But, you know, what? like you said in the beginning, it's about the mental part and breaking through that and, and making that kind of commitment. And, I mean, I don't know how many months I paid for my plan of fitness that I didn't use, right? 
you know. They say um, 60 to 70% of people have gym memberships but don't use them. Wow. So you, you think about it. Like you go, you start off in January, February, you get a gym membership, you make it maybe some gyms want like a year commitment, mm-hmm. and they have cancellation fees. If you cancel within a year or six months, you have a cancellation fee. So a lot of people will start, and then they kind of fall off around you know, February, March at the latest, and then they'll still continue to pay their membership fees. But, you know, even if they do go, they may go one month here, one month there, but they're paying year-round. And most gyms stay in business because people actually pay the membership fees, but they don't actually work out. So, you know, that's that's one of the key things. If someone owns a, like a L.A. Fitness or Planet Fitness, the fees are, are coming out each month, but people aren't really going. You know, they have a small amount of people that actually go to the gym. Well, I th- and I think a big part of, like, why people stop is that there's this – one, gym intimidation, like you said. And and two, there's this feeling that, like, you should see immediate results. Right. Um, and, I mean, I know, and maybe someone who doesn't, who hasn't worked out in a while or ever for that matter, like, when, in your estimation, do you start seeing results? Well, I tell a lot of people, um, it took literally, like, hundreds and hundreds of pounds of food in your body before you actually started gaining weight and getting a certain size, hundreds, sometimes thousands of pounds of food over years. So when you start eating clean, you can't expect to have immediate results within two or three weeks. So you usually start to see more of your results within about that, that four to six month period when you really, really start to see the results. And for people who first start working out when you first start training, any type of weight training or anything, you actually get your quickest results within your first year working out because your body, you're doing something to your body that's never seen before. So that's why uh, videos like, um, uh, they're called like, um, I'm trying to think of the actual name of it. Um, it's it's the CD, it's like a collection of CDs with six different ones. Um, I'm trying to think of the actual name of it. You guys may know the, the video, Insanity. Uh-huh. Insanity videos, PX90, they make a lot of money uh, because okay. all they're doing, you have... They start off with one video, and then you have to buy the next one, and then you buy the next one. So all they're doing is, is muscle confusion. You're confusing your body in order to change your body. So once you get to, uh, like, the first year you finish your videos, it's kind of like restarting over and over, but they're calling it something else. So instead of PX90, it can be PX92 or different things, and they're just switching up the workouts, and people are, are buying into it. They're making millions and millions of dollars doing it. That was like Tybo. Exactly. <laughs> I remember Tybo. That's right. What is that, Billy? <laughs> Billy, Billy Banks. Oh, Billy, Billy Banks. Banks. <laughs> um, I want to circle back to something you said a second ago when you said talked about eating clean. You know, So for me, one of the reasons I want to have you on about this being a food beverage hospitality is the uh, that notion of eating clean and what does that mean to like the average person? Well, a lot of people, when they figure, hear the word eating clean, they think of a diet. Oh, I have to go on a diet. I have to go on a crash diet. Oh, I don't want to eat like this. I don't want to eat lettuce all day. So people think that eating clean is literally like every time they pick up the fork, whatever they're eating, it tastes horrible. There's no seasoning on it. But eating clean just means that you're cleaning up the way you cook your food, your bacon instead of frying. Uh, you may be using olive oil or, let's say, for instance, avocado oil on your food. I love avocado oil. It's a big difference. You know, as far as, and people think the taste isn't good, but you still can actually enjoy your food. It can taste good. And you're just, and when I say eating clean, it's just a certain way of cooking your food. So you're going to bake, broil, grill, instead of fried or cooking in certain oils. And your your actual, um, as far as even the pork, like I gave up pork you know, at the beginning of the year. 
I watched um, there's a video called um, oh, I can't think of the name of the actual video, uh-huh. but it, it'll come to me. But there's a video so like kind of it was made by a guy who's a vegan, but with the video it talks about like the the horrible like points of pork and things like that and how bad it is for your body. So I gave up pork, and the only thing I really miss is probably bacon. Bacon. That's it. I love the bacon. I love bacon-flavored anything. <laughs> so that's the worst part when I give up the pork. Anything else I can do without. So, And I, I can't refer to the video since you forgot the name, but, like, did they – Kind of blanket statement over, as I said, all pork? Like, what about pastured pork or, like, locally raised? It's actually called What the Health. Oh, What the Health. Yeah, okay. What all the right. Health. Okay. So, well, What the Health, with the video, it talks about um, pork itself, any type of pork, any anything. Like, if you're, it showed the actual pig on how they, like, North Carolina. Like, North Carolina had more pigs in it than they actually had citizens in a certain part of North Carolina. So, they were breeding these pigs and things, and one actually, when pigs died, they would put them in his dumpster and the actual garbage truck would come pick the pigs up. And at a certain time of day when it picks the pigs up, it will take it and they actually would grind it up and feed it back to the pigs because pigs will eat anything. So if you feed pigs, they were feeding pigs, dead pigs. Wow. So, and that goes to show you how you actually take a pig and, and grind it up after sitting out for a week with flies over and everything in a dumpster and, and refeed it back to the pigs. They were eating it. So, it was one of those things where when I saw it, I was I couldn't even I couldn't touch it. It's got to be like a Purdue thing with chicken, you know this this yeah. uh, you know this big factory type mentality. But but we've right? had guests on like uh, like Matt Romine from uh, Farmfield Table and Farmfield Table. They're raising their own pigs. They're pasturing them. They're taking care of them. Right. Like treating them like you know the, the best the best they possibly can. I, I find it hard to believe that they're you know you get in you you get out what you put in. Right, so these pastured pigs, pastured sure. cows, pastured uh, chick, you know, uh, free range chickens or whatever. Right, you're getting a healthier product at the end of the day. Um, and unfortunately, I, health healthy products mean that it's going to cost more, more expensive. Which, yep. which, and, and which sucks. Know, and, and commodity pork. I mean, what you're referring to is commodity pork. That that is a that is a whole nother industry. And um, you know, it, it's it's uh, it's gross. Uh, you know, it, we. we Kind of preach here as much as we possibly can. If you're going to buy meat, buy it, buy it locally. Like know know your know your Correct. farmer, right? You know know your butcher. Um, and, and you know, like I, I don't I, I don't uh, preach um, abstinence in any in terms of like you know total like abstaining from anything like everything in moderation for the most part. But um, if a documentary like that like kind of opens your eyes, right? Like um, to one part, like to, to the commodity pork industry i hope that like you can see the other side of it and say hey there's a small farmer over there that like that doesn't like commodity pork either exactly you know what i mean right it's also like i have arguments with a friend of mine i spend a lot of money on eggs right so i buy one i buy organic which i buy almost everything organic now and the second is that i buy uh the uh pasture raised eggs that are certified humane mm-hmm. Uh, so that way, because you can get cage-free eggs, and a lot, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but you can get cage-free eggs, and they're they're they might not be in a cage, but they are packed in. Uh, so you have to look for that certified humane type thing. Well, those eggs are going to cost me like eight dollars a carton, right? And I got another buddy who's like, I'm not spending more than dollar twenty-five or whatever it is, you know, for eggs, and right. and it's like, <laughs> okay, but what are you putting in your body? And and maybe it's different just as an adult, but. One of the th- things that transformed me and, and Joe, and both of you guys, I'm sure, uh, understand this is uh, is having a son. You know that somebody's model that your 
who's going to model after you and who you're going to shape their life and whatnot. So do I want to put a, an egg in him that's going to, you know, be a, a, you know, certified humane, organic, you know, it's got beautiful color and, you know, or do I want to put one of those factory, you know, bullshit kind of eggs in them? Yeah. I want to, I want to do the best, but, All right. but it's expensive too. It's, you know, at farmer's market or Whole Foods, it's whole paycheck. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, it is. It adds up. But the thing yeah. is, uh, what I tell a lot of people is, like with me, uh, I spent more money before going out and eating food because I, I love steak. You know, I don't care. You know, it could be like the, like the biggest, juiciest steak. I just love steak. Now, that's one thing I couldn't give up. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm like a crackhead when it comes to steak. Uh-huh. So my biggest thing is um, anything you eat, just eat it in moderation. So too much of anything, even if it's healthy for you, it can still be bad. Before I actually came here, I just left for my, uh, my doctor's visit, visit a checkup. Now, with me, I've been taking protein for years. So even as far as taking protein, um, by me doing bodybuilding shows and things like that, uh, after so long, it takes a toll on your body because your body starts to be dependent on the protein. So if your body knows you're going to give it protein at a certain time, right after workout, things like that, it's not producing enough cortisol and things in, in your body. So that's what my body was doing. So even though protein is good for you, if you don't take a break from certain supplements and certain vitamins and things like that, it's, it can still be bad for you. And doctor was telling me even as far as water, if you're drinking too much water, you know, your body actually needs the salt and sodium in your, in your actual blood. So when you go to the hospital and they put you on an IV, it actually has certain sodium and things like that in the water in the IV. So even drinking way too much water can be a harm to you. So it's just anything you do, I tell anybody, just do it in moderation. So what do you mean? So with the protein, for example, like uh, your body eventually just assumes that you're going to have protein every morning or whenever you do, whenever you have it. Well, it happens at like the hormone levels in your body. So let's say, for instance, your kidneys. When you're taking protein and things like that, uh, creatine, your kidneys have to work harder. So even though you're actually taking to kind of repair your muscles after your workout. Um, you're actually, when you're taking it and you're taking it in certain amounts, as far as the way that I was, as far as uh, maybe two or three times a day, I was taking maybe a protein shake and it was two scoops, which is like 50 grams. But uh, I was doing it when I was getting prepared for a show. But I was so used to taking it, even when I wasn't doing an actual bodybuilding show, I was still taking the protein in large amounts. So my liver and kidneys and everything was just working that much harder to try to break it down. And there's a, a reason it's called a supplement, because if you can't get to the food for the protein and the chicken and things like that, then your body is going to get to the point where, when you said as far as not producing, it wasn't producing the cortisol levels the way it's supposed to because it was dependent on supplements that I was giving it. So it's, it's the same thing as far as um, it was a book that um, Eric Arvatos, you call him here, gave me, and it talks about real sleep, <laughs> <laughs> sleep and, and cortisol levels and things like that. And, um, I mean, it's a real, real informative book. But even with that book, it talks about how um, even if you're wearing sunglasses – if you're wearing sunglasses, your eyes, it starts to become dependent on the actual shades on the sunglasses because your, your pupils aren't going to dilate. It's going to think that it's nighttime. So you're, you're actually tricking your eyes wearing sunglasses, and sometimes it does more harm to your eyes than good when you have on sunglasses. And it's the same thing with your body when it comes to food. If you're giving it a certain supplement every day, certain times of the day, it's, you're tricking it, and you're thinking that it's going to get this, and it's not going to produce it on its own. Okay, props to Sean Stevenson, Model Health Show podcast, yeah, and the book Sleep Smarter. That's where uh, uh, the, uh, he's just—he's another guru out there, killing it in the podcast scene too. But so, explain kind of a little bit more. Than that. Well, I started. Uh, so I take a lot of 
uh, health supplements from a company called Onnit, which is out of Texas. Okay. And Onnit has a podcast as well. So I was listening to that and they had Sean Stevenson on and I get, uh, you know, I, I, that's the way I, I pick my books that I want to read, uh, or my podcast I want to listen to is from whatever I lynched onto, right? So, uh, he came on. I was enamored by him. He had, he was talking about sleep and, and all the different things of how the way sleep affects you and, and your health and whatnot. So then I started listening to him and I started picking up on all, one, I got his book and then I started picking up on all the, uh, different people that he's had on as guests. So that's where that comes in and really getting into this whole idea of health and fitness. And how much that transfers into what we eat every day, you know, our sleep. You know, I tell, I tell my kid, I say, you need three things to be healthy. I say, you got to exercise, you got to sleep, and you got to eat. And he, you know, he's three and a half, but he takes, he takes to that. And we have our routines now. Um, one of the things that we do is every Sunday we meal prep. We meal prep our lunches. We don't necessarily meal prep our dinners. We start planning our dinners more. But the summertime, it's a little bit harder. And I kind of wanted to talk to LeVar about the meal prepping thing too because you do that um, as part of the fitness package. We haven't done it because I'm comfortable with my meal prep. Right. But you do that for your clients in the fitness package. Can you talk a little bit about how what goes into a meal prep? Because one size doesn't fit all. If you go to – I guarantee if somebody out there is going to go to a trainer and they're going to get the same meal prep. They're going to hand them a sheet. Here, you got to eat this. Well, there's no one size fit all for the diets, right? And diet's just a bad word, right? Just a lifestyle change or whatever. So how, talk a little bit about how you develop that for a person and what, what your expectations are when you give it to them. Well, the thing about meal prepping is um, everybody has a different body type. You have an endomorph, it's called an ectomorph, and a mesomorph body type, which uh, let's say the mesomorph is a certain frame. Uh, some of them are bigger frames, some of them are smaller frames, and some of them are like a medium frame. So if I'm giving a person that's um, a bigger frame, the same meal plan, and I'm giving a person that's 120 pounds, they're going to start to, their body, they may get, a like I say, a pudge in their stomach, things like that, or their body frame is not designed for this type of meal plan. So they may need a certain amount of protein. They may need a certain amount of vegetables and things. So it depends on what their body goals are. That's why um, a lot of people ask me, how come I don't do boot camps at the gym? I don't like to train five or six people at the same time. Just me personally, there's nothing wrong with boot camps, but me personally, I like to, it's personal training. It's called personal for a reason. I want to actually focus on people's people personal goal and not just have a, a person that's 300 pounds doing the same exercise as a person that's 150 pounds. They don't have the same goals. They don't have the same body type. So the thing with boot camps, um, for me personally, I don't do it just because, you know, everybody has a certain type of body frame. So meal prepping, if let's say, for instance, Vato's here, if I was to give him a certain meal plan and, you know, he started eating a certain way and started dropping pounds from the actual meal plan, I can't take the same meal plan and give it to you because you have a totally different body frame to him. So I would have to give you a meal plan that may have more protein. You may have more carbs. So let's say you was, I want to put on a little more muscle. I want to gain 10 pounds. So your meal plan may have car- more carbs than his. He may have more vegetables and just protein. Yours may have more carbs, sweet potatoes, uh, brown rice. So it just depends on the body frame. So everybody's meal plan is designed just for them. I have certain clients that are vegans. I have clients that are pescatarians. So you have to do things designed just for that type of person. And what about these kind of fad words like keto and paleo and these diets that kind of follow a trend of like different than meal planning? Because you you said 
protein, you said carbs and like in some in keto, for example, like carbs are a bad word, right? Well, yeah, but it depends on a person also. And that's why I said you can't just follow. It's not a, a one size fits all as far as a meal plan for someone. It's just like intermittent fasting. Me personally, I try intermittent fasting because any type of plan I do before I give it to a client, I want to try it first to see how it works. So I try intermittent fasting on myself. And within, I would say, like two weeks, I dropped 10 pounds. I wasn't trying to drop that much weight in two weeks. But what is that? What is intermittent fasting? What is that? Well, intermittent fasting is, let's say, for instance, you're on a 16-8 window. You have 24 hours in a day, 16 hours you're not eating, eight hours you eat within that window. But the eight hours that you're eating, you're only eating three meals, but they're larger meals. So instead of eating, let's say, five to six smaller meals per day, what you're doing instead, you're actually doing the opposite. You're eating three meals in that eight-hour window. So let's say, for instance, between those eight hours, you're eating um, whatever you want to eat. Let's say as far as something with protein in it, a grilled chicken sandwich, um, spinach, carbs, and then your next meal can be whole wheat grain, spaghetti with turkey, ground, things like that. You can actually uh, cheat a little bit more on your diet too because while you're, you're actually the fasting period where you're not eating, you can actually burn 30 to 40% more body fat when you're not eating during the fasting period because your body is still moving. So it's kind of like the same thing as far as when you have someone said they're doing fasted cardio. When you first wake up in the morning, you start doing cardio. And when you're doing your cardio, your body is, is it doesn't have any food or anything to pull from. So your body is actually going to start pulling from the fat that's in your body. So you're burning more body fat than normal. And it's the same thing with intermittent fasting. Your body is still working throughout the day because you're moving around, you're burning calories, but your body is empty. So it's pulling from the fat in your body. To, to get the source of energy instead of pulling from the food from your carbs. And that's that's how keto works too, right? Right. Keto okay. is similar. Okay. That, that's intermittent fasting. So with the intermittent fasting, that's, you're just eating a 16-hour window. You're not eating eight hours you're eating, and you're just eating three meals. And, and you know, 16 sounds long, but if you think about it, like you're sleeping for eight. Right. You should be sleeping for eight, right? And then you, you put four in the front, four at the end, you know, and you're there. So it's not that difficult. If, for some people, you've, if you stop eating at eight – or, I don't know, you go to bed at 10 and then you pick it up six in the morning, you know, six hours in the morning, or you stop eating at, at right at dinner time at six or seven. Like, that's not too bad. That The hard part for me is the nightlife. And if I could transfer really into this for a second, because we're sitting here, I did go to one of my favorite uh, big box stores. I, I think it's a big box store, right? Costco, to get uh, my. Uh, newfound uh, discovery of favorite uh, American vodka, which is the Kirkland brand. Uh, so I'm sipping on that and a little bit of this uh, beer barrel bourbon from uh, New Holland. Uh, and, you know, at nighttime, you know, might want to have a couple drinks. So that's going to kill the intermittent fasting, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, intermittent fasting, you can't take in more than 25 calories. So as soon as you take in more than 25 calories, the fasting stops. So for people who like coffee, coffee drinkers you can have coffee but you can have it black as soon as you put a cream in there and a sugar your fasting stops automatically so a lot of people don't know that he's as far as this stops after 25 calories so on it has these emulsified uh mct oils that are flavored so mct is medium chain triglycerides for the our listeners out there um and they have different flavors for that and they kind of say well use this instead of creamer so putting an oil in a fat oil or doing like a bulletproof style coffee with adding butter and some still more than twenty five calories. Yeah, as long as if yeah. you're going yeah. over twenty five yeah. calories, once you start adding butter and things, you're going to probably go over twenty five calories. 
So whatever you drink, that's what I said. If it's coffee, if you're a coffee drinker, drink it black. Uh, if you're, you know, you like tea and things like that, as long as it's a tea that's less than 25 calories, don't put any sweeteners or anything in it. But once your body starts taking in the sugar and things like that, it's going to start eating off of the sugar and things. So your fast mm-hmm. is going to automatically stop. Now, how does it work with artificial sweeteners like xylitol or stevia? Or, uh, does your body recognize that as a sweetener? Yeah, it's still going to recognize the stevia. Okay. So once you put the, and, and to be honest with you, a lot of research, you know, people looking into it, like these artificial sweeteners aren't really all that good for you either. If you're going to put any type of sugar in your, your drink, you're better off putting a raw, like a natural sugar in it. Same thing as far as if you're, your salt in your diet, you want to have like a natural salt. Or there's another salt called Himalayan salt. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. So, so those, those are huge. So instead of using these you know, different type of salts, it's best to use like something that's actually natural. So let's talk about this kind of transformation. So you, you went from Circuit City and you get this job with the police department. And then if you fast forward like a few years, like you're in – Bodybuilding events, correct. Okay, so how does that transition happen? Like, how how do you recognize that you are even able to do something like that? Well, um, to be honest with you, I was I just wanted to go to the gym and just work out. You know, I just wanted to put on a little size. And while I was in the gym working out, you know, the gym ended up being kind of like the happy place. You know, I would I would look forward to getting off of work, going to the gym, working out. And then when I started seeing the results, um, it was more so like everybody has a certain part on their body that will transform quicker than other. I mean, I don't care who it is. Everybody has that certain body part. Some people can be their shoulders, their arms, their back, their, their calves, uh, quads. Everybody has that certain body body um, type on, on them that actually transforms quicker than others. For me, it was my arms. So it was like I can, like, lift a, a toothpick in my arms. Just, just blow up. It was crazy. <laughs> so it was like when I saw the transformation, it was like, man, I, you know, I started to like you know, what I started to see as far as in the mirror. And things like that, and then it was more so. Um, it was it was kind of a like a one of those things where like my stomach. I would work out and I would go to the gym. And I was going to the gym for years, but my stomach wouldn't change. You know, everything else was kind of transforming except my stomach. And so what happened is I would do sit ups like crazy, and nothing happened. So then I started doing more research on it and saw that the more sit ups I did without actually losing the body fat on my stomach, the bigger my stomach looked because I was actually pushing more more muscle out. So let's say, for instance, everybody has a six-pack underneath the fat. <laughs> everybody. I, I have an eight-pack. Right. <laughs> but the thing is, is the, the key is to try to get to it. So if you have a lot of body fat on, on as far as the layers, if you're doing a lot of crunches and sit-ups and things like that, you're still going to build a muscle underneath the stomach, the body fat. But what you're doing is it's going to push your stomach out more because you're making your stomach bulkier without actually burning the body fat first. Interesting. So, so that's what a lot of clients, you know, we would do certain exercises targeting the stomach, but we don't do like, uh, like if they don't have a like a flat stomach already, or if it's starting to lose the body fat, I'm not going to do a lot of ab exercises until the actual body fat starts to go down a little more. And, and how do you, uh, you losing the body fat has a lot to do with diet, right? Everything we do with diet. Everything they do. With I diet. can literally um, not do a sit up or crunch or anything for a year and have a six pack. Just from eating clean. And then once I get ready for a show, I'll start doing crutches just to define them more. But you're going to, everybody's going to have, you can see a kid walking down the street that's 16 years old with his shirt off that's a real slim kid, and he would have a six-pack because he has no body fat. And you're like, look at this kid. This kid got a six-pack. But he never worked out a day in his life, but he has a, his frame. He has pretty much no body fat. So, so when, you, when you decide to do these shows, what is the kind of prep work that goes into doing a show? 
the prep, that's the hard part. And the hard part isn't working out. The hard part is the actual diet itself. I have to eat um, five to six small meals a day. So eating like eight ounce chicken breast, um, eight ounce fish, uh, the green beans all day, asparagus, brown rice. And when you're eating like that every single day, no seasoning on your food. No seasoning? No. Why no seasoning? <laughs> the salt. The salt. Yeah. The salt holds a lot of water in your body. So, really? Yeah. Salt holds a lot of water. So you're using any seasoning you're using. You're using Mrs. Dash. And there's another one called Flavor God. Oh, yeah. So, I've heard of Flavor yeah, God. Flavor yeah. God, yeah. Mrs. Dash. Or I, I used to go to the Whole Foods store and buy seasoning with no salt in it. You can get them in bulk from Whole Foods. Uh-huh. But your your food is just it's completely bland. So I started to use a lot of garlic powder and, and pepper on my food just because you can't put any salt or anything on it. Wow. So it's a, the, the diet is so strict that, you know, you're going 16 weeks out before you're preparing for a show. So for 16 weeks, you're not eating any salt or anything on your food. So you have to be very, very disciplined. Wow. So that people sound, don't know what, you know, what the actual, yeah, it is. <laughs> and for a person, if you like to eat food, it, it is, it's horrible. So so if you, when you first went down this path, like how do you, did you have someone like a, a mentor or something? Well, what happened, one of the guys I was actually um, working out with, he used to get a lot of tips from me at the gym. So, you know, we would go and, and then we started kind of like working out together and we were going on the same time, same schedule as far as working out and he said, man, we should do a show. Look at some of these guys in the gym, man. They don't look as good as us. We should do a show. And so one guy, he entered a show that was in the gym, and he, he plays pretty good. And so we were looking around like, man, this guy, he doesn't look as good as us. Man, we've been working out for years. Maybe we should do a show. And so uh, my gym partner, you know, as far as he, he started, he, he actually did his first show, and he was getting ready for it, and he dropped out. And I was doing a show with him. So I end up going on and continue to do the show because I, I said I haven't put in all this work eating clean and not putting salt on my food yeah. for you know six months just to drop out. <laughs> so I continued on, went and did the show, and I played second in my, my first show I did. Wow. So nationally qualified. So I tell people, even if you just go in there, if you Google my name, you know, LeVar Green, it'll come up with some of my bodybuilding competitions. Oh, that's awesome. So, and the key is for people to actually doing shows is to get the IFBB Pro card. But, you know, mentally, I'm not – there mentally to have the time to to even enter you know on a show to go up to go to the to stage to do an IFBB pro yet. What is that? What is I, international? Yeah, that's that's the Feder- federation of bodybuilding. Bodybuilding, right? Okay. So that's when you're trying to get that. that those are the guys that are professional. So that's your Arnold Schwarzeneggers and you know things like that. Ron Love is an actual local guy, Detroit John uh, Simmons. Uh-huh. So those are guys that have their professional bodybuilding cards. But the thing is. Um, when you start going on a higher level like that, you know a lot of guys that are in a higher level is only a few guys that are natural um, doing bodybuilding shows at the actual IFBB Pro position. So, uh, are you saying there's steroids right. involved? Okay, yeah, it's a lot of steroids involved when you're doing bodybuilding shows, and those are a, allowed in those yes, situations. It is. They are yeah, okay on a professional level. Interesting. Yeah. So that's what, like Arnold Schwarzenegger. You have to have genes as far as genetics and things too, but you know those guys when you go into like the professional level, it's only a few guys. It's actual natural. So with me, I, I refuse to put anything like that in my body because you're not healthy anymore. That's the whole point of, of actual health and wellness and things like that if you want to be healthy. So if you're pumping something in your body that's a growth hormone, um, you're going to start to get to the point where your heart is your biggest muscle. So your heart is also going to grow too. So you're doing things to your body and your, your liver, kidneys, and things, you're going to start to damage a lot of things in your body. So that's the thing. You may want a trophy because those guys, they don't really make a lot of money unless they're sponsored by like, you know, like huge companies and right. their commercials. 
And even then, it may take years before they make any money. So the biggest thing is um, these guys are, some of them are putting things in their body that's like completely unhealthy. Like HGA, like right. human growth hormones. Exactly. Like um, so let, let's kind of take this bodybuilding mentality, right? This kind of show mentality that you have and then shift it over to like working with the police department because you're not, and I don't mean to be offensive, but like, you know, if you think of like stereotypical police officers and like sitcoms. You, you think of me? <laughs> right. No, well, I mean, like Chief Wiggum from The Simpsons, uh, right? Like, you know, Reno 911. Yeah, Reno 911 or like Brooklyn 990, like right. Scully and Hitchcock, right? So it's like, um, and these are like extreme examples, you know, they're, they're comedic, they're supposed to be like the outlier, right? But how do you, how do you take that bodybuilding mentality and, and focus it on, on, a, on a police department that probably 99.9% of you guys aren't entering bodybuilding competitions. So how do you focus it? Well, what the police department is more so focused on uh, just being in decent shape as far as um, cardiovascular and things like that. So you're going to – your biggest thing where you're in the department, even a foot chase, you know, if they may run a couple of miles, the actual recruits. But the biggest thing is you want to be able to sprint because you want to be able to catch the actual perp and you want to be able to fight. If he's going to fight with you – you want to be able to have the actual endurance to be able to chase a guy, fight, and then survive and be able to handcuff him. So we're actually focusing more on we're trying to tone them up and build up their, their actual win and things like that so that when they get into an actual foot chase and then they have to fight a guy that's not going to comply, they want to be able to actually put handcuffs on this guy without being winded and, and completely out of breath. So our biggest thing we focus on with them is you know, basically standing in a fight. You know, that's the biggest thing. We're not trying to make them bodybuilders or, you know, as far as we just want them to be able to actually pull their own weight. So we do certain things as far as we have like a one rep max with them where they actually have to lift their body weight. We try to get them to lift their body weight at least once before they leave the academy. Wow. Yep. So if you got a guy that weighs, you know, 200 pounds, we try to get him at least lift his his own body weight before he leaves the academy as far as lifting 200 pounds. Now, okay, so the academy is like the initial training before you become a police officer, right? Is that? Yeah, they've okay. gone through six months training. Six months of training. It's got Mahoney. It's got uh, coming out with Sard. <laughs> but what what is the expectation for maintenance? Uh, Not, once, well, that's the funny part. So back in my day, you know, I was 22 years on now on 20, going to my 23rd, uh, the, there was no maintenance, unfortunately. You know, and I think that there's there's no technical. It depends on where you are. For our department, which is Detroit, there's no technical maintenance. But what these guys do differently than the, the trainers in the past and the and the uh, the staff from the past is that they start off with a different foundation and mindset for everybody. That hey, this is this is your life. This is your body. Like this is you know you need to set these expectations for yourself, kind of thing. And, you know, unfortunately that it wasn't drilled into us early on in my, in my time to say, hey, you know, you know, five years from now, you know, you're on your own. Two years from now, you're on your whatever, you know. Right. So the difference is that these guys are telling them, you're on your own after this, but you need to maintain, you need to keep doing it. And what I've seen from the people coming out is that the people coming out are extremely fit. They're extremely healthy. They have a sense of uh, of their future in terms of, I need to maintain things. Whether now everyone's going to fall off about eating clean or, or uh, you know, drinking or whatever, but they still have a path that they're on that none of us were on. So th- this sense of like uh, maintenance, right, of keeping your body fit. Um, you guys are working long hours, right? right. I right. imagine you're not working your typical forty hour week. Um, 
is there any sense that you could get gym time built into your schedule or is that something that you have to do outside of working hours? Well, a lot of precincts now, um, the newer ones especially, have gyms built in. So if you want to actually, you know, let's say, for instance, as far as as soon as you get off of work, when you're in your shift, you can literally go in the back. You put your stuff in your locker room and go right in the back and work out. Um, the 8th Precinct, that's a newer precinct. They have a smaller gym. We have a Planet Fitness built inside the 11th Precinct. Head, headquarters has a, has a wow. gym in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I know we're getting short on time. I do want one more question that I want to bring up is um, – Obviously, doesn't fall into the idea of clean, but what's what's your thoughts on uh, on what we're doing here with this, you know, alcohol? Obviously, moderation is the key, right? right. Some alcohols more healthier than others. As an alcoholic, I actually started drinking called uh, Tito's vodka. Tito's uh, only has about eighty calories, so when I started drinking Tito's vodka, um, I used the you know. Um, Eric here brought me a lot of lemons, a lot of limes, not this much, but I usually put like a, the lemon squeeze, a lemon line in it because with, with drinking, the biggest thing is the sugar. So a lot of people drink, but they may have, uh, let me give you, you know, you go to the bar and order, let's say, for instance, a vodka and cranberry or a vodka and lemonade or whatever drink they order, they put a lot of actually sugar in it and sweeteners. That's where you actually start to pound on the calories when you're mm-hmm. drinking, and especially with women. Women drink more uh, sweeter drinks, margaritas and and different drinks with the umbrellas and all the salt on the top from the rim. And tequila. men drink those too, man. Right? Yeah, a lot of them do. <laughs> if it tastes right. good, drink it. You know exactly. what I'm saying? <laughs> so the biggest thing is the sugar. So when you're drinking, if you're pounding a lot of sugar in there on the drink, I mean, it's, it's more so that's where all the calories come in place. Versus, let's say, for instance, what we're drinking now, if I just squeeze an actual lemon or lime in it, I'm still only under like 80 calories. Yeah, and that's a good thing to remember about cocktails. Co- all cocktails have sugar. Yeah, it's a lot of sure. sugar. It to in be, it. Yeah, and um, whether it's fresh squeezed juice or processed juice, I mean, most of the places that we would go to have fresh squeezed juice. It's still sugar in your system. Sure. Um, and so the calorie content. I mean, the, this uh, beer barrel bourbon that we're looking at here has no sugar in it, um, no carbs. Like they're, they're, it's like bourbon itself is clean, quote-unquote, but your body, your liver processes it as sugar, doesn't right. it? Okay. So the processing your body does is eventually going to make it turn it to that anyway. I, I, I just didn't want people to think that, you know, like we're not abstinence-type people here. You know, I was like, all right, we're not telling you not to drink, not telling you not, you know, blah, blah, blah. You, you can be healthy, do things responsibly in moderation, uh, and you can still, you can work out, be healthy, and have a drink. Right. I now use, this is going to be a funny anatomy, but it's like sex. I mean, if you got sex with a girl or a guy for the first time, it's going to be the greatest sex in the world most of the time. And then you continue to have sex with them after 20 times. It's not the same as the first time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like anything else. So you have to do everything. <laughs> <in moderation. laughs> so, LeVar, uh, for your personal training, is there some place that people can find you online? Uh, yes, they can actually go to um, an Instagram account. It's going to be called Let's Get Fit uh, underscore 247 underscore. Okay. Let's get fit underscore 247 underscore. And, and people can reach out to you that way? They can reach out to me there, or you can go on Facebook, just the regular name, LeVar Green, L-A-V-A-R, last name, green like the color. Awesome. Thanks for being with us tonight. No problem. Until next time, dine well, friends. <laughs>